The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. college football the world's most ethical college football podcast i'm your host kevin paul uh with my weekly little monologue it looks like we're gonna have a full house tonight um so really excited i'm not sure if uh andrew and rip will be a little rusty uh but we're excited to have them back folks and our first usual suspect is up here ross talk to me buddy how you doing kp I can't complain. Uh, pretty long day at work today, actually, but that's a good problem to have. Um, I'm needed at my job, which is, you know, not terrible uh, in the grand scheme. It's always scheme. nice to feel needed. Yeah, always. I'm part of a team. Of a team. <laughs> is that the tall man? That is what some call me. Dude, what is up, man? I, I, I was worried that you didn't exist for a little bit. Well, that's been the goal. Isn't that always? It's a fair point. Fair point. How you been, buddy? Good. Um, I will be traversing the eastern portion of Interstate 10 this weekend to Tybee Island, Georgia, a place that I, I just feel like culturally uh, speaks to my soul as a as a trash human being. What's near Tybee Island? Is that like, is it around the Savannah Charleston corridor? Like, yes, what, it what's is. Going on there? It's essentially the beach right off Savannah, um, and so there's a lot of a lot of Savannah people with beach houses there. Nice tumbleweeds, well, Android. Well, well, you know, <laughs> we do have a good tumbleweed here at Banjo College Football. Uh, and you're going back to, you know, your adopted homeland of the great state of Georgia. And that was be exciting. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to um, drive. I'll be driving directly past Everbank Field because um, you got to hit I-10 all the way until you get to 95. We've brought Interstate Talk back to Banjo, which I feel like is good. Um, but yeah, we will be uh, passing by Everbank Field. I'll get a, a good look before uh, we end up uh, causing me to shit my pants for the grand majority of the last weekend of October. Yeah, you know, it's um, Andrew, be honest, even last year's debacle 
notwithstanding, when was the last time you were legitimately nervous about the cocktail party? Like actually nervous? Well, see, I wasn't nervous. You can't be nervous about a season that never happened. So um, I would I would say the last time. Uh, no, every year. Every year. I mean, that 20, the 2019 game was close. We had to, there was a third down conversion. There has never been a year that I've been a Georgia fan that I've been not nervous. At the, we were 14 point favorites in 2014 and lost by 18. And That's wait, what year is this? In uh, this is this is uh, the Treon Harris Treon Harris year one. No, no. Uh, yes, yes. I'm sorry. What did I say? To, did I say 2014? I think. Well, yeah, so Tre- Treon went two and zero against you guys, so you know it's hard to tell sometimes. Uh, I, you know, it is, you know it is it is hard to determine which Treon Harris game that was. No, I think no Treon beat us in fifteen and sixteen. I think in four. I I can't remember fourteen, but that was I don't know. It was one of the must champions. I'll I'll leave it at that. I I, I will say I thought um, Austin Appleby was the one that beat you guys in sixteen. I didn't think I thought Treon had moved on by then. I don't remember. There was I, no because in sixteen, Treon started the game zero for nine, and then threw a seventy-five yard touchdown pass, and then we tried to call a fair catch on the goal line and muffed it, and they recovered, and it was fourteen nothing pretty quick. Mm. Well, you know. So this is the. I think this is the the earliest we've had real football talk on uh, on banjo. I covered Matt Luke through all that, so I feel bad for none of y'all. <laughs> also, hello. <laughs> Hello, Rippy. Yeah, it's been a while. Last week I just looked up and it was nine o'clock. I was like, "Fuck, we missed the window." Yeah, Ross and I have been kind of you know doing a two man game uh, the last few weeks. Uh, How has that been going? It's well, quite, quite poorly. Quite poorly, I should say. Um, you know, <laughs> Ross and I, we just—it's hard for us to carry a show by ourselves. Ross has a great job, but I can't advanced conversations with pure chaos the way you two do. So it's, it's good to have a full house again, man. You've got a chaos great rhythm and no actual talent. So, you know, the, the show flows very well with no content actually worth listening to. It's great. Yeah, there is, I, I will say, there is a level of depravity uh, that Rippy and I, and uh, the, the right twinge of nihilism that I do feel like uh, is necessary. Yeah, keep because, the show on the rails. I mean, this we can't really have a show with two Alabama fans. I mean, that's that that that's like that that's like having having a show with with two billionaires. No one that's just not relatable to anybody. You need to have you need to have some struggling workers down here in the uh, in the college football mines. Andrew, I'm just saying that I think if the University of Georgia, you know, really pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, that they too could achieve, you know unqualified success over a decade of college football. I don't, I don't see what's so hard about that. You know, Alabama did it. Like we, we did it. I was clearly involved in that. Like, I don't understand what's, what's so hard. I do really think that we just don't want it enough as uh, I, I think that that, that is coming down to it. We, uh, we, we lack a certain uh, je ne sais quoi, if you will. Uh, we're just not hard workers by trade. Um, we show up to games late. We are entitled um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I think that I do think that if we if we just uh, hunker down, as they say in Athens and tried a little bit harder, that we, too, could could achieve new heights. 
Yeah, just I, I don't understand what's so difficult about it, man. Just do the thing, you know, just just do it, man. Like, I hate to sound like a Nike exec here, especially because I'm not, you know, using my kid to make millions of dollars in resales. But, you know, just do it, man. Just win a national championship. What the fuck now, is so hard about it? Now, here's a legitimate question that I do have. How many, how many teams in the last, let's call it 20 years, uh, could you combine, uh, or let's say in the Saban era, could you combine the Ole Miss and Georgia rosters and still not beat Alabama? Because I think there are still a, I think like 2016, I think, uh, rings out particularly to me. Uh, I think there are a couple of others though. Well, you know, just the Ole Miss roster did it twice. Um, so you, you, you know, I don't know why you guys can't, but, 16 was good because I feel like Georgia had a really good defense that year. I think that was Kirby's first year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and really good defense, but the offense was just spot. Yeah, freshman quarterback Jacob Eason. Um, but then Ole Miss put 43 points on Bama that year. So that, that that was a decent year. But then, you know, basically from then on, you're just asking, um, could Georgia have beaten Alabama? Because Ole Miss's talent level pretty much after that has plummeted relative to, you know, where they were towards the end of the freeze era. Uh, but 13, maybe? Um, you guys were, like, you were, like, 9-4 and four in 2013, but you lost to just, like, four top 10 teams. So, hard to say. Um, I don't know. Rippy, you're the Ole Miss expert here. Uh, what, what do you say? Well... Shit, I can't figure out my microphone. We've been doing this for like a year. Is this thing on? <laughs> yeah, no, I think Freeze carries responsibility for the roster depletion because like the whole like that 16 defense is one of the worst defenses. I, like, honest to God, I've wanted to uh, I've wanted to email Wesley McGriff and be like, hey man, could you pay me for having to watch this shit for 12 games? <laughs> so that started in 14. Like, you remember where they had that Kimdichi signing class or whatever, where it was mm-hmm. like the one that raised the eyebrows and then the 16 one that happened amidst the whole Tunsil thing where it was like, how the fuck are these guys continuing to do this while they're being, you know, investigated? <laughs> None of that included defensive players. Like, if there was a borderline four-star kid that was in-state, uh, Freeze would rather go with the out-of-state kid from Florida like Van Jefferson because he was a receiver and he was four-and-a-half stars or whatever the hell the thing is. You get what I'm getting at. So finally mm-hmm. you have a situation like 2016 to where it's like Ole Miss gets up 28-6 to in that game in Orlando against Florida State with all those people watching. And you know, at the time that was like the most watched college football game ever. And that kid that covered Florida State next to me was like, holy shit, Ole Miss is going to win the national championship. And I was like <laughs> – Honestly, you might be fucking right, and that team went five and seven. Like <laughs> that team, that team was in a one-score game in the third quarter with Georgia Southern that year. And so, like the talent issues on the defensive side of the ball were one hundred percent Freeze's doing. The problem is the other part of Freeze's doing, you know, banging hookers in hotel rooms and things like that, that put the program under <laughs> under scrutiny. Also, like, you couldn't recruit your way out of the hole. So not only did he deplete the talent, he dug the hole. But guess whose fault it wasn't in his mind? Hugh Freeze's. Hugh Freeze's never lost a game. His assistants have never won one. So that's, I think, an important consideration here, which is that if you're combining the Ole Miss and Georgia rosters, who's coaching these teams? 
Oh God, can you imagine the sanctimonious, self-righteous preaching nature of in combination Mark Richt and Hugh Freeze coaching staff? It would be like a Bible verse quote off. It would be like, no, Old Testament. Now go New Testament. But would they just get too confused and too competitive quoting the Bible at each other that they'd like forget to call plays? That even though their teams would be good enough to win, they would lose the game to each other? No, I just think that they would just change the entire playbook terminology to, like, books of the Bible. <laughs> no, you know what would happen there? They, they would get into, like, a Bible verse quote-off, and at the very end, uh, Mark Griffith would be like, hey, man, so see you at Bible study Wednesday? And he would be like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? And, that's, <laughs> and then they'd get in a fight, and that's how that would end. Yeah, I can. Uh, I I will say for all the uh, for all the criticism thrown his way, I don't think that there were any um, illicit calls to uh, Oxford, Mississippi prostitutes while um, Mark Rick was around in Athens. You can't tell me Mark Rick ever stayed up past nine thirty p.m. unless a game just happened to be that long. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. It ended at nine fifteen. He was finding a way to get home and in bed in the next fifteen minutes and be home by nine thirty. Spe- <laughs> speaking of complaining about, was it? No, it was. Was it? It may have been Dan Mullen. Didn't he throw a fit one time about a game coming on at like eight forty, like starting at like eight forty or something? Was it? I don't know if this is just your internalized hatred of Dan Mullen because I don't. It was either it was all. either Mull it was either Mullen or, or or Freeze. It was one of the Mississippi guys. I mean, I'm sure you're right. I don't know. I don't remember. Which I don't. Was. I don't know. He was. It was just someone. It was just that one of the. Sound like a Dan Mullen it, thing. Yeah, it was just one of the two that was that was complaining about about rec- like their their recruiting spot, and it was like you're getting an ESPN spot as one of these schools. Uh, I, I, I don't think that it's better than playing on Jefferson Pilot Sports at eleven a.m. Yeah, or whatever ESPN did to Chris Peterson after the, he complained once. Yeah, they they took him and Mike, they took him and Mike Neal <laughs> out to the out to the woodshed. Shadow Which, they, like, they you said, know, the he was always route. on the West Coast. I was, when he first complained, I was like, come on, Chris Peterson. Like, you're just making headlines for yourself. This isn't that bad. And then I looked and tried to watch Washington football after that, and you just couldn't. <laughs> no. You like, had a point. What people seldom don't realize is we actually own the proprietary broadcasting rights for the Pac-12. That's that's true. Pac-12 represented by sports drink. Congrats. Look, Larry mm-hmm. Scott sold them. Larry Scott sold them to us. Um, really, just a very questionable decision as commissioner by him. So he went out on top, you know, selling us we're, broadcasting rights. Well, now that now that minimalism is in, we are doing the Pac-12 broadcast audio only. No one needs to watch the product anymore. The Pac-12 only on Spotify Green Room. But we're precisely. We're but Spotify could buy the Pac-12 in cash. We're bringing back radio, guys. <laughs> <laughs> run by run by Larry Scott, Howard's financed by Howard Stern. The Pac twelve the Pac twelve the Pac twelve conference <laughs> presented by Sports Drink. <laughs> no, or no, no. We would have to. We would. Uh, we would. Uh, th- that's that's them getting like a Rose Bowl set up, like the Rose Bowl presented by Citibank or something. We would have to do like. 
the Meineke Car Care version bowl. It would be Sports Drinks Pack 12. I'm just excited to listen to the Apple Cup as recorded by uh, Vin Scully. <laughs> is he still alive? He is. I Googled it before I made that joke. Oh, I mean, I guess it's okay to joke that a 95-year-old guy died, right? He's 93 and still kicking. He is officially retired, which, you know, wasn't, uh, took him a minute to do that. He was, he was, he was on, he was calling games as of like 2017, maybe. Dude, he was their broadcast. He was their broadcaster for literally like 70 years. I think he started when he was 21. He was the broadcaster from 1949 to 2016. Did you say 1949 to 2016? That is correct. 67 years. There's no job on this planet I would do for that long. I'm sorry. I don't care what it is. No, dude, you're you're 90 years old and you're having to travel around the country 80 times. I guess they don't make that many trips, but still. I think he started only calling home games for the last couple years. Oh, well, okay, not, even, okay. not even that. It's just you're 90 years old and you just they're making they're just making you stay up until 10:30 p.m. like 40 times a year. <laughs> what is what is the state? I was I was thinking about rewatching Brockmire. I don't know if y'all have ever um, watched that the Hank Azaria show, but it's very very good. Um, but the uh, I was thinking, what is the current state of MLB broadcasters like do people still care about like the single booth storytelling type stuff or what I or is it just you. all is it all like Sinclair media owned promoted bullshit now I mean yes it is but I think people still have strong opinions about their home broadcasters you know I know like for me I always love listening to Don Orsillo call Red Sox games for a number of years and mm-hmm. then the like Red Sox owned regional sports network didn't renew his contract and now he gets to call Padres games which you know good for him but like every time a Padres highlight comes up like oh this is such a cool home run by Tatis and then it's like oh there's Don Orsillo's voice again making me sad that he's not calling games for the Red Sox damn so there's some people ba- that, that still care your favorite baseball teams RSN just like didn't keep your iconic broadcaster that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> who's your favorite who's your favorite broadcaster of all time and uh, lo- local the better because we all have our, I guess, Vern and Gary Love. My problematic fave is Marv Albert. Um, just because. <laughs> Dude, he was the voice of the video games. They were so good. He was, man. Like NBA Live 2003, just like. Yes. Was that, the, was that the Vince Carter cover? It was either him or Jason Kidd. I can't remember. Okay, it was one of, yeah, one of the two nets. <laughs> it was like, and what a shot by Jason Kidd. Uh, and wow, would you look at what that young lady's wearing across the court? It's just... so, Marv, they're pixelated. <laughs> I don't care, Grant Hill. <laughs> the eternally horny, the eternally horny man. <laughs> oh, God, we got one in the comments. <laughs> I made a comment earlier tonight that I guess went out over the air. I'm deeply ashamed of. If I've hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how <laughs> very sorry I say from the bottom of my heart. I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith. And there's a deep drive in the left field by Castellanos, and that'll be a home run. So that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. 
<laughs> I mean, not di- not dissimilar from the entire premise of the show, Brock Meyer. Oh my God! It, wait, does 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 he have a job still? Tom Brenneman, absolutely. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way, right? I mean, there's definitely a way. We should. I should check that. I know he's he got you know the boot from. Uh, oh, he's, oh, he's a he's a nepotism he's, hire. He's a fail. He's a fail. Son. I didn't I didn't know he was a he's fail a, son. So just now. I didn't either. I didn't In either. In December 2020, it was announced that Brenneman would serve as the play-by-play announcer for the Roberto Clemente League in Puerto Rico for the 2020 and 2021 <laughs> season. Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back. I mean, this is just his. You know, th- this is <laughs> this is him like. Playing in the Wait, oh. Roboto Clemente League in Puerto Rico, he'll be back in three years. Um, uh, shout out to to uh, room participant Neil Donetti for uh, reminding us of uh, maybe the greatest moment in broadcasting history. And I, I would like to um, I would give a special shout out as that when that moment first came out, uh, there was the friend of the show, uh, Bruce Smiley. Um, <laughs> uh, who reminded us that he went to college with him and was like, oh, yeah, that dude sucked in college, too. Please take a look at uh, – I just sent it in the just sent it in the group chat. Um, Marty Brenneman. He looks, like, he looks like if you took Larry David and then forced him to sit on the beaches of Tampa for five years without sunscreen. No, Andrew, you know what he looks like? He looks like a, gay, a guy named Marty Brenneman who called <laughs> him for the Reds. <laughs> If, that is exactly if, right. If you knew nothing else about him, but hey, this guy's name is Marty Brenneman, and he called games for the Reds for thirty-five years. It's like, oh yeah, he, he looks like that. That's <laughs> that's that's what that much exposure to Cincinnati will do to you. The uh, you, mean, you mean Ohio he, Junior? You mean Kentucky Junior? Excuse me. So it says that um, – oh, here we go uh, on his on his Wikipedia page. Known for his opinionated, zealous, and sometimes contentious style, Brenneman called Reds games from 1974 to 2019. I guess Apple does not fall far from the tree. Wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was in year guess one? What? His son took over for one year? <laughs> his name – his real name, Martin, is his middle name. His first name is Franchester. Franchester Martin Brenneman. You know what? If you're you know, I can't Portsmouth... blame him for going by Marty. No. If you're born in Portsmouth, Virginia in 1942, I mean, you only have like four options for names, and Franchester is definitely one of them. I thought I thought Tom Brenneman worked for the – did he work for the Reds? I thought he worked for Fox Sports. I'm looking at his blog. It says he he was basically the Reds' JV oh, announcer. Oh, he was he was Fox Sports Ohio. Mm. So he was he was his his dad must have been doing play, uh, radio play by play while he was doing TV for the the local affiliate. That's kind of it's it'd be it'd be cool if you weren't both dickheads. <laughs> That's nah. We're, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of that. That was August twenty twenty. That's insane. That you you legitimately could have told me that was four years ago. Tom Brenneman called the two thousand seven BCS national championship game. Two thousand seven, the Florida Ohio State one, or the I'm, LSU or the LSU Ohio State one. I mean, 
That that was the oh six was Florida Ohio State, but it, that was oh seven. It was technically January oh seven. Uh, I'm just January oh seven. It says in oh six he was hired for Fox to do play by play for the BCS, called the national championship game in the Fiesta Bowl. Buddy, did he get fired? Because if you're calling, you know, college football national championship games, how do you end up just calling local games for the Reds? Ask Brent Musburger. Soon after that. <laughs> oh, well, we know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that man, he locked eyes on – he locked eyes on – um. God, I forget. It's Catherine's son. I forgot her actual name. But I wanted, you know, I wanted to say Bryant. I wanted to say Bryant, but it just, I just think that's every person I associate with Alabama. No, so it, it was Captain Webb. He locked eyes on her, and then he blinked, and then now he's calling Kentucky, South Carolina at nine forty-five p.m. Oh, Man, on the, the SEC, uh, got to hire the got to call the Boise State Oklahoma game. Damn, that's so fucked up that so many of those good games, so many of those good games I watched are now because I probably wouldn't have recognized him going back and listening to it, but now it's gonna chuff me. You know what this means? We have to go back and watch these games to see if he said any other fucked up shit <laughs> during the that we just yeah, missed dude, at the time. I was oh, about no. to say, like, I I'm sure the Boise State Oklahoma game. Yeah, whatever um, will I do? Yeah, I I will say there probably was some like wild stuff, and it, you you probably won't get it in bowl games as much because we that probably would have been called to our attention in some of these extremely rewatchable ones. But there has to be like a Kentucky versus Arkansas game from like 1999 that somebody was just wilding out there that hasn't been brought to our attention. <laughs> like, like in like early in the like days of like where all the big conferences games were broadcasted, but still in the days where you had like 1960s broadcaster holdovers who were just insane on the mic. Yeah, it's, it's like three years after SEC expansion, but you couldn't fire the guy who's been calling it since like 1964. You know? Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's uh, like, well, the, let me tell you, I was I, we we were we were down in Columbia. And we saw some ruffians going around, and let me tell you, John, I just don't like that. <laughs> that's, that that's just not right. They need to stay in their place, et cetera, and then you have to turn the TV off because it, it only goes downhill. I got to tell you, this running back reminds me of a guy I thought was going to rob me once. <laughs> you know, because he's just so fast and powerful. You just don't know what he's going to do. Are y'all Are y'all – are y'all just doing Larry Munson? <laughs> oh. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
gate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Oh, you Herschel Walker. I, we may actually be doing Larry Munson <laughs> intro. <laughs> when did Larry Munson retire? Larry Munson retired Two, in like 2004, right? Seven, like 07. <laughs> I so, yeah, he, he absolutely fits this bill. <laughs> yeah, no, it really – oh, God. The, Larry Munson's going to get canceled. <laughs> is, is he is he alive there's no way right no 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 he died he died a couple of years ago he Rest may have died before, he died re- 10 years ago day. wow yeah i was gonna say i think he died before i went to georgia yeah says he called games from 66 to 2008 so yeah that's uh that's larry he, uh the you hear that the you hear that y'all call. killed him y'all killed him he saw the black. He saw the blackout game, and he said, "Never again." It got to seventeen nothing. He's like, "Yo, I'm fucking yeah. out, bro." <laughs> I am. I Mark Mark Rick's best days are behind him. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, this game has just been. Uh, you know, we the dogs have gotten their asses kicked up and down the field, and I don't know if I'm going to be putting this headset on again. <laughs> and there's a seven yard touchdown run by Mark Ingram. 
Folks, I don't know when I'll be back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> faint, faint gunshot in the distance. <laughs> you know, um, we, we, we do have a great friend of the pod who's in the guest room right now, and we're going to invite him to come speak. Uh, this this man, Neil Donetti, has been a friend of the podcast before the podcast. Uh, he is, Andrew, I'm sorry, he's another University of Alabama grad, but um, he is also a Michigan law grad who is not a fan of Michigan football. So he's got a quite the perspective. That's correct. Neil, welcome How's to Banville, man. How's it going, fam? Uh, it's fine. How are y'all? <laughs> we can't complain. We um, you know, we're, we're better just, now that we're I mean, I, I, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, we're just having a good time uh, resurrecting the ghost of Larry Munson. Trying to kill him again. Trying to cancel him <laughs> 10 years after his death. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> like Ronald Reagan, we got to work on killing people twice. <laughs> <laughs> so, Neil, I wanted to ask you, you have a very unique uh, perspective here, but I, I do want to know. What, if anything, will it take for Michigan to beat Ohio State within the next four years, if it's even possible? <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, I wish I had an answer, but really, <laughs> uh, I, I think it, it, would, it, would, it would take something no, something or nothing short of, like, just something apocalyptic happening to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, because, There's a new a new COVID strain that just hits Columbus. Yeah, it spawns in Columbus and doesn't stays there. The, 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 ep, the epsilon variant. The, yeah, the Buckeye variant. <laughs> Honestly, something like that because uh, I, the state of Michigan's program is just in shambles and it's only getting worse. Well, Mel Tucker you is actually you know, state has a pulse. It seems like. Something resembling it. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the problem, right? Is I mean, the, the fact that you had Jim Harbaugh, who, in my opinion, is the greatest coach in college football, who now of can't course. even yes. beat Mel, who can't even beat Mel Tucker now in his first year <laughs> at Michigan State, the week after they lost to Rutgers, I just, I, I think, it's, I think it's time to, to move on. I understand that he's prestigious and everything, but it's time for Harbaugh to turn down the lifetime contract and retire. So I, I, I mean, sorry, going Ross. I was going to say, Neil, you're a you're a Michigan man, and and in every sense of the word. Oh, um, every sense of the word. <laughs> but Michigan has always had this sort of air of the holier than now. You know, we we lose because we play the right game, and everyone else is cheating, and that's what all that's the only reason we lose. That's um, correct, and nothing has come out in the past two or three weeks that would change my mind on that. However, <laughs> this the University of Michigan has a notably. Uh, wealthy and generous fan base that they've just ne- refused to ever give money to athletes because it was like against the rules and they don't break rules. Is it possible that with NIL, as things are get, you know, legal that they're allowed to spend money, that Michigan could all of a sudden, you know, start throwing a lot more money at players than other things because they are no longer like above it? No, you know, as much as I think that might be a good idea, I think they're just stubborn enough to say they won't. I think just to be able to say, <laughs> just to have an excuse as to why they lose, they'll refuse to give them money for NIRL reasons just so they have that fallback. Dude, I just I mean, think it's so 
it's so crazy that a university that I think Henry Ford graduated from just refuses to drop to drop bags for college football players. Yeah, yeah. Like Gerald the most Ford. heated, the, the most Ford. the most hedonistic, capitalistic man that's ever existed. It's like, you know what? We will not pay these young men to play football for the University <laughs> of Michigan. <laughs> we refuse. Yeah, I guess it, not it, paying people is up his alley. So you know, it, it really is. It really is. <laughs> I mean, it is a, a, a wonder how a university with so many resources and so widely renowned just absolutely refuses to do what it takes to win. I just don't understand it. But I mean, I guess you know, despite the fact that I'm not a Michigan fan, I think I'll, I'm I'm willing to put my head in the ring here and start start throwing money at players now that now that it's okay. If nobody else will, I'll step up to the plate. You know, I just want what I want to do is just take the most like average middle of the road Michigan fan and just put them in a coma for two years, and in those two years, they just decide to drop bags and join the rest of college football and how they recruit. <laughs> and then they wake up in two years and they're like top ten. They beat Ohio State. You know, they go ten and two and win the Rose Bowl. I'm like, oh my god, what happened? Like, do you really want to know, <laughs> or do? <dude? laughs> Or are you just going to take this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys randomly just, like, sign up five of the top 20 players in Florida. Just random, randomly. They just love Michigan. <laughs> they're, they're they want to they earn it by playing in the cold. Exactly. I'm looking yeah, forward yeah. To, to Neil, you know, just starting to hire some random Michigan fans to, like, promote his company. And just be like, yeah, this is a normal thing that we do. I don't understand the problem here. <laughs> I mean, set up set up a shell corporation just and have athletes through NIL just um just do paid promotions for it. And like, ha- have the company being like the Cayman Islands or something. So just absolute, just like in some tax haven where you just absolutely Delaware. Like, no, just, no, yeah, Delaware. Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, really. <laughs> I wanted to name a specific Michigan player for that joke, but I realized as I was struggling, I couldn't think of a single one off the top of my head. Look, I will not take any Donovan Peoples-Jones erasure here, Ross. And I say that because I can't think of any other one. There's no way he is. Right. No, he's he's gone. He's old, right? I think he, he went in the draft a year or two ago. Okay, he's oh, 22, so he's, so he's very young and makes me feel old, but so he was so drafted in 2020. Yeah. No, I, I'd, I'd say the, the most noteworthy uh, Michigan player that I can really recall off the top of my head right now is, like, is it Cade McNamara, the guy who gave I him, just in, found in, his in, name on the roster yeah. and realized my <laughs> name rang a bell. <laughs> who, who gave just the, the greatest I, post... I, <laughs> <laughs> the greatest post-game speech I've ever heard after Michigan's stunning, thrilling victory over Rutgers this past season. In the, in the Rutgers away locker room, he just had Michigan all riled up. And and they were really, I mean, it, it's something to behold if you haven't seen that video. It's, uh... Cade McNamara shared Offensive Player of the Week honors for his performance against Rutgers. So, See? congrats. That's, he's the next Tom Brady, really as far as I'm concerned. That's that's I a just, true a true Michigan man. I've never I forgot who tweeted this, but it was after you know the Michigan Ohio State game in 2019, 
And obviously in 2018, Michigan went into that game 10 and 1. They were like number three in the country or something like that. Like they were having a great year. And it was supposed to be Don Brown's best defense. And then Ohio State just like hung 62 on them without even trying. <laughs> and then the next year, they hired Josh Gaddis. And, you know, the offense was supposedly turning a corner. Um, and it was supposed to be Harbaugh's best offense. And then Shea Patterson went like 18 for 43. So it's <laughs> against Ohio State. So it's like if, if you can't, you know, capitalize on your best years, like, what are you going to do? Because even Ohio State, when they're bad, is still just going to pit Michigan in the pack, right? Am I am I tripping here or what? Like, what is there any hope at all under Harbaugh whatsoever? No. I think he's <laughs> just reached his ceiling. Like, it's just not there. Is yeah, his I, ceiling an Orange Bowl loss to Florida State? That's the ceiling. <laughs> yes. With Brady Hoax players? <laughs> Bring back Brady Hoax. I, um, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with just, I mean, now just the negative momentum. I, I mean, just the fact that they, they got to that point where they were supposed to finally be on par with Ohio State, and they just decided to get shit on instead. Twice. And, uh, I think since then... And, I mean, since people have now taken notice that Harbaugh has not beaten Ohio State in five or six six tries now, I can't remember which. Only five tries because COVID. Um... Oh, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ohio, Ohio, Ohio Michigan, State got scared. Michigan. Oh, did, did Ohio State contact Trace out of that one or, or did Michigan? <laughs> no, it, it was it was Michigan. But <laughs> you, could con- you could contact Trace your way out of pretty much anything last year. I mean. <laughs> That's true. Alex was like, oops, sorry, like, yeah, we, too many people close to people with COVID. And it's like, like, random, like, five days before the Bama game? Like, I, <laughs> really? <Wild. laughs> yeah, I, I this keeps happening. Yeah, I, I maintain that, you know, the big, the Pac-12 had the best system last year because it's like, you know what, this season doesn't actually matter. We're just going to have everyone play four or five live scrimmages. Um, and no one's going to care about the results here. And the pack, they just kind of vibed for a full season. And it was like, yeah, that's what college football is supposed to be about. Who gives a shit about the other games you play? Beat the teams in your conference, and maybe some of you go to a bowl game. And if you go to a bowl game, just have fun. And that's what the Pac-12 did this year. <laughs> Remind me if I'm wrong, but didn't Oregon make the Pac-12 championship game because Colorado got – was, was not able to go because of COVID. They they made it, it was, because Washington was unable to go, and Colorado <laughs> had a chance to beat USC to go for, to represent the South, but they lost a game because of COVID, so they weren't oh. able to go. So like it was something like a four or five and zero oh, or four or five and one USC that was like actually supposed to be maybe good was going up against Washington, and then Washington went out for the second place in the North, Oregon, who was, like, 2-2. Two and two. And then they went and beat USC and were the Pac-12 champions at, like, 3-2. and two. That's right. Hey, man, hey, you're being mighty disrespectful, Ross. Oregon was 4-3. and three. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> my apologies to 4-3 and three Oregon. Um, you have a great mascot. I didn't, I didn't mean it. 
But four and three Oregon under the the new proposed playoff system would still make the playoff. No, they would not have. Oh, Co- no, they Coast- wouldn't have. Coastal and Cincinnati finished right ahead of Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Pac-12. Oregon finished the year ranked like 25th, and they were unranked going into the Pac-12 championship. So it's like they, the Pac-12 just let an unranked team win it. Do you ever think Mike Sly or even Greg Sankey would let that happen in the SEC? Mike Sly would literally just like, I know we joke about becoming the Joker all the time. Mike Sly would literally pull some Joker shit before he let that happen. He would like kill judges. He would have just signed a bunch of NIL deals with AP voters. And been like, hey, I will give anything you want. Just please rank Missouri 18th before they go into this game. That's all I need. <laughs> Just in case they win, I need them to be a, a a ranked above 20 going into this SEC championship game. Guy, rest in peace, Mike Slide. He was just, you know, just a gangster, man. You know, like, he's, like no, no one messed with him. Because why would you mess with him? He was Tony Soprano. That's all when, is, when is Mike Slide's many Saints of Newark? That's what I want to know. Oh, buddy, I... I am paying premium on Disney Plus for that one because it's going on Disney Plus because it would be an ESPN property. <laughs> well, I want to see Many Saints of Birmingham. That's that's. What I don't I know need. if you actually. I don't know if you want that, Ross. Um, <laughs> I certainly do not. <laughs> Mike Slive was born in Utica, New York. You're welcome, Southeastern Conference. Ross, are you from Utica, or do you just claim it like you do everywhere else um, north of uh, New Rochelle? I I believe I'm legally a resident of New York State at this moment, so I'm going to claim it. So, Neil, um, I, don't, I don't know if Ross has, but I'm sure Neil has. Um, the Mini Saints of Newark trailer. Um, buddy, I'm excited. I I, I don't know why. I'm, I, I'm just – well, I know exactly why, but I saw no Pauly. I saw no young Pauly, no young Silvio. Just, you know, Michael Gandolfini pretty much nailing his dad's voice uh, in the show. Just, you know, just rocking all over Newark, New Jersey. So what are your thoughts on the trailer? Okay, I'm about to disappoint you. I'm not sure if I've seen the trailer. It came out today. Uh, it came out. It did it? Came out okay. Today. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll have to look at it uh, and report back. I I just know that from this. I mean, this is gonna. This has nothing to do with the voice or anything. But just from the screenshots that I saw, like from the set previously, I am just incredibly excited for Michael Gandolfini's performance. I mean, I I think he looks exactly like a young James. It's uh, scary, right? And so if he can even half or act half as well as his father, I think that it'll at least be good enough. But I don't know, though. It's also a kind of thing where I'm I, – I don't know if they really needed to do, to do it. I, I, I love The Sopranos, obviously, but it, it's, it's, it has me worried. It has me worried. I'm worried that we're going to look back and regret it, but I, I hope I'm wrong. So I think from the trailer, um, well, first of all, one thing I saw this like a long time ago on a, on a Sopranos Facebook group. 
the word multisanti literally translates in Italian to many saints. Um, so it, cause the movie is about like Chrissy's uncle, no, Chrissy's dad, actually, Dickie Moltisanti. Um, and Tony is just kind of like also there and being introduced to the mob and whatnot, even more so. Um, so I think it'll be interesting because that's, that's a story we don't really know. It's not like, okay, it won't be like the Star Wars prequels where it's just like, <laughs> oh, let's just like talk, like, let's just explicitly reference these things that haven't happened yet, but everyone knows about. It's a different story because they're different characters. Uh, Livia Soprano is just doing Livia Soprano things in the trailer as well. Um, shout out to Vera Farmiga. Um, she looks like she's going to do very well in that role. Uh, but, Holy shout yeah. out to Vera Farmiga. I, I just feel like it's going to be a very exciting movie. Leslie Odom's in it. Uh, he shoots a gun in the trailer. Um, so that that was exciting. Um, you know, Ray Liotta is somebody. I don't know, but he's But he's in there. It. Is he really older in a mob movie? You know, that's that, you got to at least watch it. You know, give it a shot. So it's gonna be. I think it would be a good project. I'm not a. I don't think it'll be a masterpiece whatsoever. But it's just more Sopranos content that looks very well done. David Chase is on it, so it, you know there will be some baseline of quality there. I will What's say I I ahead. did watch it, but uh, you know I gotta say this may not be the most popular opinion, but uh, not enough gabagool for me. Personally, easy. easy. What do you talk? What do you talk, Ross? There's. There, it looks like there's multiple scenes in Satrials, so there's going to be enough gabagool there. Let me tell you. I did not hear every single character in the trailer just cut, turn to camera and say gabagool, which is all I wanted. Oh. So, uh, see, you know, you didn't watch the deluxe trailer. You only watch watch the regular one. Oh yeah, that's that's my fault. I, I didn't pay up for that. You got to pay one kneecap for the deluxe trailer. And then, you know, <laughs> give us the Gabagool cut. <laughs> so I'm going to start moving online about the Gabagool cut and just become the worst person on the planet. All right. So, folks, uh, I think we're wrapping up here. Uh, thanks again for listening to us. Neil, thanks for making your banjo debut. We appreciate it. We talked about NIL, uh, talked about, you know, <laughs> old problematic sports announcers and we talk some Sopranos and many Saints of Newark uh, Ross, Neil, any parting shots here? Uh, I would like to just issue a quick correction, I incorrectly identified uh, the the member of the family that, that went to school with Tom Brennan and knew he was a piece of shit and that was Mark Smiley, I apologize to the many Saints of the Smiley family for that for that oh. oversight the, the many saints of Pittsburgh slash Chicago slash Algonquin slash Chattanooga slash it's a, <laughs> the many saints of the of Appalachia. We'll leave it at that. Uh, folks, thanks for listening to Bancho College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Paul, signing off. Reminding you to finish your breakfast. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. <laughs>